All topics covered here are for conversational purposes only and do not constitute financial advice. Please contact Mulcahy Co. to receive advice on all matters from one of our professionals. Welcome back, listeners, to the FS Financial Security 360 podcast, uh, brought to you by Mulcahy Co. Uh, you're joined today by host Gavin Nash, and I'm uh, joined again today by Danny Archer um, from our financial planning division. Good day, Danny. Good morning, Gavin. Happy first day of summer to you. First of December. Happy days. How good is it? It's finally warm, yeah. funnily enough. Yeah, it's finally warm. Bit of a wet summer so far, but uh, apart from that, it's um, it's all looking like it's blue skies and sunny out there, mate. So, interesting little segue, actually, talking about summer and, uh, and uh, looking forward to the future, is that today we're talking about insurance. You've written a Ripper article, mate, called uh, Insurance, Can You Afford Not To Have It? Um, which is up on the Mulcahy website under the news tab. So for all the listeners out there, go and have a bit of a read. Again, Danny does a really good job, listeners, at uh, summarising a topic really succinctly in, in a short amount of words. So it's only about four or 500 words, so nice, quick, easy sort of five-minute read. Um, but we're going to talk about it today, Danny, because I think it's a really important um, thing to talk about, especially for anybody with uh, any commitments or any dependents, for sure. So... Um, Take it away, mate. Give us a bit of a summary about what we're talking about today as far as insurance goes. Yeah, no worries, Gav. So as you did say, insurances are hugely important. So I always like to give the analogy that a financial plan is, is the tabletop and that's all the fun stuff. Your super, your investments, your overall strategy, your goals, what do you want to achieve? And those conversations are always empowering. They're positive. We want to do this, 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 um, which all sounds great and the tabletop looks great. But what happens if one of the legs of the tabletop breaks? What happens to the tabletop in that regard? If there's nothing holding it up, no good support system, no foundations. Um, another analogy is the slab of your house in insurance point uh, in an insurance topic. So if one of those break and you've got nothing there, it all falls over. Whereas if it breaks and there is something there, and what I mean by that is an insurance policy, then the the, the tabletop or your overall financial plan it doesn't topple and you can continue moving forward. Um, down the track. So, and so you're kind of saying that insurance is the non-sexy part of it. Absolutely. it sounds like just a cost, like you've got to do every month. But without it, um, it's like that you know that you can see the stuff above the water, like the tip of the iceberg. You can see all that fun stuff, which is your investments and all that. You can see your numbers and your um, equities growing and whatever. But if you haven't got that insurance in place, which is the, you know, no one likes spending money on the foundations of their house, Danny, but if you move in and you renovate an old house, you've got to get the foundations right first. So, Exactly. Um, yeah, it's H- a good analogy, mate. Hence the, the, the um, title of the blog is Can You Afford Not To Have It? In that, yes, it's a cost in the opening sentence I've said there. I'm similar to most people in that I look at all insurance policies, whether that's my own personal insurance, car insurance, whatever it might be, and when the premium comes in, I go, gee, that, that's a lot of money. I wish I didn't have to spend this which is true. I wish I didn't have to spend it. However, having done what, I've, what I do for a job for a fair while now, I've seen when an insurable event occurs, which we'll talk about today by way of some type of medical event, whether that's an accident or a cancer or a diagnosis of an illness, when one of those events occur, I've seen when a person does have insurance and when a person does not. And I know which which sort of path I would rather be on. Now it's it's less lesser of two evils. Absolutely, it's an event we don't want to occur, but we can't control these things. Absolutely, everyone knows someone that probably has had some type of serious illness, injury, or whatnot occur, and you clearly don't want it to happen, but they do occur. So the whole point of insurance, as I spoke about before, as the tabletop, it just effectively means that you know, as I said before as well, with the two paths, one of them 
has a lot less financial stress and a lot less emotional impact if you know that there's an insurance policy there that's going to effectively take away those those stresses. Absolutely. I think we've mentioned on a couple of previous podcasts and we've touched on this. We're going to this topic, but we're going to get into it in a bit more depth today, talking about a bit of the ins and outs of it. But um, I know, Danny, uh, as you've said in the blog, like most people wouldn't drive out of their driveway unless the car was insured or they wouldn't they wouldn't put their $450,000 house um, with the event that it burns down, that you wouldn't have insurance on it. So mm-hmm. um, that's your asset. You're, in, you're covering your asset. What we're talking about here is covering the, our asset, which is our ability to make an income. Absolutely. So the easiest one to explain here, that, that is people come in and I say, what do you think your biggest asset is? As you just said, and it's either super or the house, one of the two. And depending on the age, it might be one of them. Absolutely. If you're about to retire, obvious reasons. But for someone particularly a little bit younger, I say, okay, if you're earning $70,000 a year and you're 30 and you want to work until 65, that's a 35-year gap. So just simply times 70 grand by 35. Now that's over 2 mil. Yep. Is your house worth 2 mil? Is your super worth 2 mil at 30? If it is, well done, but likely not. The averages would suggest no. So Therefore, and it's obviously worth more than your car and all those depreciating assets, which are always insured. We're, we're, as you said, we're very quick to insure it because we don't want to replace it. But if you were to lose the ability to earn income, how would you replace that? It's massive. As I yeah. said before, we, we speak about goals and I want to travel, I want to get married, I want to do X, Y, Z. As the blog says as well, that is all predicated on the assumption that income is going to be there. Hopefully a rising income stream, you get a few pay rises on the way. But if you get hit by a truck and you're in a wheelchair and you're a tradie, or even my our job, you know, it's very hard to do it if you're pretty pretty crook. Um, what do you have? What provision do you have to replace that asset that you now can't earn? It's interesting when you put it that way because you, you sort of say, look, over over uh, that two million dollars you spoke about your your income from say age thirty onwards, it, it, that's not even taking into account the fact that you'd get pay rises along the way. So it could sure. be closer to three million dollars. So really got to think about how would I replace that because I'm still going to need money in those years. If, if you, you're in a wheelchair or if you've had a heart attack and you're only 30, um, you're still going to have to, you're still going to have costs. That's the thing. The bill's going to keep rolling in, your mortgage, your rent, um, all your other living expenses, food, you know. Uh, it's all going to, and education for your kids, whatever it is. So those costs are still going to come in. And the idea of having a good level of insurance as your foundation is that you can, Confidently enjoy those things um, and achieve those things, even if you have a life-changing event. Mm. Absolutely, and it's always important as well, um, you know, to know that as planners, we we take great pride and enjoyment out of being able to clearly map out a plan or a roadmap. I like to say a bit of a game plan that enables our clients to achieve whatever it is they want to achieve. Um, it's why we come to work. That's all the the fun and and, and fuzzy stuff. And, you know, the constant threat, all these kinds of chats, as I said earlier, is that there's going to be income there. That's the assumption until it's not. So there are a lot of forms of, to be able to replace your income, whether it's through um, an incremental payment by way of an income protection policy. But you can also tack it on um, to a couple of other insurances as well and form a bit of a, um, a bit of a, you know, they work in conjunction with one another. Right. So run us through what those standard or those sort of there's sort of three that you've listed in the in in the article run us through exactly what they are um for an overview because yeah as you say sometimes you can almost have a policy that includes all of them all sort of rolled in together into a suite yeah exactly an insurance suite is what we call it a full suite means you've got life insurance which effectively is black and white you've died 
Yep. So therefore, a lump sum gets paid to your beneficiaries effectively. So that, that's pretty cut and dry. Yep. The next one is TPD or total and permanent disablement, which means that you've suffered a, a form of illness or injury. As I said, whether that's a stroke, heart attack, Parkinson's, hit by a truck, you're now paralyzed, all those sort of things. So you are disabled to a point where you cannot, can no longer um, conduct a role that you've either got previous skills, qualification or experience in which is what's called the any occupation definition. Or if you're a specialist, the most common one is a surgeon, doctor, lawyer. I um, mean, you can't perform that particular role, again, to the level that you were performing it pre-disability. So I would argue that scenario is, is worse overall. So again, you might think, well, life insurance means you've passed, but as a cost to the family, when you're what we call TPD, you're still around but you're, you know, you need rehab, you need constant care, all those sort of things. You're and you not can't earn the money, money that you used to earn. So. You're not earning money, but yeah. you're, you're, you're a liability from a financial point of view to the family. I know, I know it sounds a little bit harsh, and that's why these conversations aren't my favourite to have at work, but it's very, very important because yeah. when these events do happen, do you want to know that, okay, if my husband is in a wheelchair and can't talk and does need constant care, am I going to be able to pay for that? And if the answer is yes, then it's great. The next one is trauma cover, the last of the lump sum. So Mm -hmm. an easy way to describe this one is short-term disablement. So, you know, early onset dementia, stroke, Parkinson's and cancer. So um, breast cancer, prostate cancer, melanomas, they're all quite common. So in in 2021, medical, you know, medical um, services are are, are pretty advanced. So those sorts of diagnoses a lot of the time aren't a death sentence like they might have been in the 90s or whatnot. So... Um, you know, you've been diagnosed with it with a cancer as a melanoma, for example, and you need to go get some treatment. So yep. you need to take time off work, pretty stressful time. So this, this cover enables the family to be able to, the other spouse can take time off unpaid, for example, yep, yep. and they can come to you with all your appointments because you might want to do that with your spouse for just to have someone there for support, obviously. Um, and then you need to pay for treatment. So if you need to go to Peter Mac in, in, the, in the city and you live in Mildura, as an example, you need to pay for accommodation to stay there. You need to pay Travel. for it, all that yep. stuff. So that's what that does. The assumption is you're going to be okay long-term. There's a bit of a hiccup in the road at the moment, though, so we're going to deal with that. And that could be three months, six months, 12 months, two years, whatever it is. And the yeah. unknown is the key. You don't know what you're going to get. I mm. hope you get nothing. I hope every insurance premium a person pays, whether that's personal or yeah, car or house paid. and contents, <laughs> I hope every dollar that anyone spends is a waste of money because yeah, yeah. that means that life's been pretty good. Yeah, yeah. But we know that it not it, it isn't always the case. So yep. they're the, they're the three lump sums, and we call them lump sums because you just literally get an amount paid to your bank or paid to your super fund. Yep, great. The fourth one is income protection, and my opinion is this is actually the most important because, as we've discussed in the, uh, earlier, this topic is your ability to earn income is your biggest asset. Mm. So that one pays you an incremental amount per month. So if you can't work, a common one is a tradie broke their leg, they can't build a house for nine months while they're rehabbing. Um, the insurance, the income protection insurance would pay a certain amount up to a percentage of their pre-disability income. And that one is purely there to make sure the bills are paid, the mortgage is paid, food's yep. on the table, kids are going to school, all of that. Again, it's short term under the assumption that you will get better. However, with um, income protection, we can be a little bit clever in their features and benefits. So there are things like waiting periods, which how long you, so if you claim today, how long do you need to wait for the, the claim to kick in. now, the, the first payment to come in from cor- the income protection. Correct. Yeah. The longer the wait, the, the, the cheaper that is because for obvious reasons. There's another one called the benefit period, which means if you claim today, how long will it pay for? Two, five, 10, 25 years or to age 65. 
Right. Now, clearly, the longer the benefit period, the more expensive it's going to get it's over bit, time. It's a bit like uh, the parallel you could draw with car insurance. You know, yep. like the bigger your premium, uh, the lower your excess, you know. So it's a bit the same, sort of working on the same. And they um, work in conjunction with each other. So as financial planners, we conduct what's called an insurance analysis. So I'll say, okay, Gav, how old are you? You tell me the answer. When do you, when do you, would you like to retire? You tell me the answer. Um, what do you want covered? Because no two people are the same and there's no right or wrong answer here either. So you might say, commonly, it's my mortgage. If I pass, I want the wife and kids not to have a mortgage. I want um, X amount of my income replaced because I'd like my kids to be able to continue on with their schooling. Right. And I'd like holidays and I'd like things to continue on as if I were there financially, but I'm not. And then when you're TPD, we normally tack on things like renovations because if you're in a wheelchair, you might need ramps installed, widened doorways, hoist right. an upgraded van, all those sorts of things. So another, another aspect of the insurance analysis is we assume income replacement. So that's where they can tie into each other in that your income protection, it could pay for five years, right? but then in your total and permanent disablement and life insurance cover, you might say, okay, I've got income covered for the first five years. I'll get it covered from year six until retirement in that way. And that's how from a, a financial plan, if you engage a planner, we can sort of strategize and have the policies work in conjunction with each other because then it can become quite costly if they're all individual. Yeah. So if you bundle it, the short answer is, do you need income protection to age 65 if part of your income is covered in your TPD claim? I'd argue you're overinsured. Yeah. It's going to cost you a little bit too much. So there, there are some of the things, and the example we give down the track is where, you know, the client that just recently occurred, he actually is, you know, claiming on two insurances in conjunction because that's how they've been strategically outlined for him. Um, and it sort of probably does drive home the idea that we quite often say here, Danny, on the podcast, but to really get that professional help um, because, you know, we all see the TV ads that come on, oh, it gets your life insurance with by someone that's uh, advertising on daytime TV. So mm-hmm. you've got to really think about, well, they're not taking into account your overall situation. Uh, there's no strategy involved there. Um, as the podcast is titled FS360, I can see that um, there's, uh, today's conversation really relates to quite a few of the steps that we've got up there um, on the FS360 wheel, the 12 steps. But it's sort of, without that strategy in behind, Danny, it's really hard to sort of know, am I over-insuring, under-insuring? Oh, this one over here doesn't sort of cover that, but it should. Or this one, we can we can add on to that and cover that anyway and do away with the other policy. So there's quite a bit to think about, and that's why I suppose you need a financial planner to come in and have a good chat to you about it all. Absolutely. And I was actually talking to a colleague earlier this morning that a lot of insurers don't actually take on clients that haven't engaged a financial planner anymore on the back of, on the back of rural commissions and PR and whatnot. It's purely because how does Joe Blow, who's a taxi driver or someone who's a tradie or whatnot, know exactly how much insurance he or she needs. So how would I'll pick a number, I'll pick a name. This is no recommendation to use them, but if we go tell, you know, how would they look if someone had a $5 million policy that they were never, ever going to be successfully claimed on for whatever reason, through previous illness, injury, whatnot? A $5 million policy would cost a fair bit. So that is definitely in the best interest of the insurer. They've, they've covered this person, in quote, you know, they've covered them with the knowledge that they're not going to claim if they ever put a claim in, uh, pay if they ever put a claim in, but the client's paying the premium. Yep. So with a financial plan, I might say, okay, Gav, um, you know, the, the spreadsheet, that analysis I spoke about, it spit out a figure of two and a half mil you need, but you're only 32. So, and you, you're married and you got one kid. In the event that you passed away, do you think your spouse would repartner? 
at 32 if you passed away in the next five years? And the, the common answer is, well, yeah. In someone in their 30s, a likelihood likelihood is they would repartner. Therefore, there's an income replacement naturally coming in. So that's where we might use our common our, our professional opinion and say, well, even though the spreadsheet says 25 years or two, two and a half mil, we might go, we only really need 1.3 because what would happen or the most common um, outcome would be that this the surviving spouse would repartner. Therefore, the need to cover 25 years is isn't there. So yeah. that's where the yeah. robo-advice it lacks that personal touch. Yep. And that's what yep. the financial planner coming to see. Human applying some common sense to the to the situation, that's where that can really benefit the clients moving forward. And I think um, too that it's just um, one of those things that you don't – people just don't think enough about. I think I mentioned on a previous podcast our all-knowing oracle, Chris Mulcahy here at uh, Mulcahy mm-hmm. Co, mate, um, said to me a long time ago when I started in business, he said, if you can't afford income protection, you just shouldn't be in business. So uh, – go away and, you know, sort of think about that because he said if you, uh, especially we had four children, so it was like there's a bit to insure there. You know, there's going to be some yeah. costs coming in whether I'm here or not, you know. So, um, and what you don't want to be is the person that worked their, worked their uh, butt off to get the family to a good position, something unforeseen happened and then all of a sudden they're on the, the poverty line or they're looking for um, handouts or whatever because you didn't have enough insurance in place. And it all comes crumbling down, which... Good segue into one of the statements in the um, in the blog here in relation to the can you afford not to have it. So, the listeners out there or readers, sort of take taking on board what we've discussed. You know, take a moment now to think how would you f- how would your family pay for the things that we've mentioned above? Holidays, in sh- uh, future schooling, mortgages, even little things like buying a, b- a birthday present, Christmas present, those sort of things. Like they kind of run of the mill, lo- you know, lifestyle activities. How would you guys pay for those things if you didn't have adequate insurances in place? Mm. Bit of a morbid point. Like sometimes this conversation, you know, it triggers emotions in people in, in, in our meetings. You know, the, the, you know, the waterworks do, do turn on sometimes because yep. you don't want to think about it. No, clearly. It's uncomfortable. And of course it is. And that's why <laughs> it's like I writing say... It's writing your will. <laughs> it is. And that's why I always say to clients, I say, now we need to talk about my least favourite part of my job. Because yeah. everybody has a part of their job they don't like. That's, that's a reality of it. But... I don't like talking about this, but through even personal experiences in my own life, like we've had events happen in my family that had our personal insurances been up to scratch. Now, these happened in the early 90s, so personal insurances weren't really um, topical. They're not really anymore at the moment, but you can imagine 25 years ago, um, you know, life for for, um, our family would have been a lot, a lot different, which is sort of part of the, part of the motivation, um, for me to be a financial planner, yeah, yeah, to be honest, is it sort of, and then also on top of that as well, just seeing it through family members and friends, you don't want that to occur to anyone else. And you're absolutely um, kidding yourself, Danny, too, if you don't think something could happen to you or your family. I just think every single person listening to this podcast would know, I know of someone who had a, an event or a health concern, like a cancer or something that they battled for a short period and, and then recovered from or that it's affected their whole life, you know, so, and in turn affected their family and their dependents. So, yeah, you're absolutely kidding yourself if you don't think, if you think you're bulletproof in that way. Um, And especially interesting that you said earlier about um, income protection for younger people. It's sort of, I think they're they're really the guys that maybe think about it less, you know, when when you're in your 20s and your early 30s and think, oh, I'm going to be here for, I'm going to be working for another 30 years. But they're in a lot of ways, um, especially from the premiums point of view, they're the people that should be jumping onto it now. Because if they get onto that insurance now, um, premiums can be sort of a bit lower over time with things like s- 
stepped premiums and level premiums and whatever. So Absolutely. So the, the, the younger you are, typically the cheaper it's going to be. So yep. the older you are, the more likely you are to something claim. happen to you effectively. Yeah, you know, you're closer yeah. to death is the yeah. reality. Or you, yeah. or you, each day that goes on, that you, nothing doesn't happen, brings you a day closer to when it might happen. Yes. And that's the reality of it. So, you know, someone in their 20s who applies for a million dollars of life and TPD and X amount of income protection, they're going to pay, not assuming that there's a million illnesses on that individual, but, you know, generally they're paying a lot less than a 35-year-old. They're yeah. paying a lot less than a 45-year-old. So... It does pay to get in early and it also pays in that they're the most susceptible to losing income because someone in their 20s is likely going to have a bit less of a nest egg than someone in their 40s absolutely, or 50s. Even little things like probably less sick leave built up. If you work for a company for 20 years... Long service leave, that sort of thing. Your long service and sick leave might be through the roof. And again, that goes back to those waiting periods and the income protection. A good planner uses your long service and your sick leave when determining what your wait period should be. Um, but a 25-year-old isn't going to have a, a sick leave balance of a 45-year-old. They're not also going to have probably, you know, um, a share portfolio or money in their bank or free rental properties to be able to offset a short-term amount where they're not earning income. Mm. So for the 20-year-old there, the 25-year-old, I would argue that income protection is more important. For yeah, them. especially that one, you know, and maybe once they've got a partner and they've got children or whatever and they've got dependents, then maybe things like life and trauma come into it. But that income protection is one that you really should look at earlier than later. And it's funny in that when I got my own personal insurance sorted out a few years ago, you do feel better. You don't mm. feel invincible. Peace of mind. You don't feel invincible because you're not. Even my partner, I, she didn't really sort of get it and I explained to her and she sort of said, I do feel better now. And now that we've got mortgages and whatnot, if something happened to me, she would be fine financially. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's just a nice thing to be able to say, well, that is, put a bow in it, that sort of... That's done. Danny, how, just a question without notice, how often should people look at their personal insurances? Everything we're talking about here, if you've set them in, in line in, in 2021... When should you be sort of looking at them again? So we always do annual reviews at the very least. Right. When you come in Every for an year. annual we might go, okay, you've got X amount of cover. Um, are you happy with it? As a general rule, it's every year. So we mightn't change it every year. You might actually make changes every couple of years. But it's mainly based on a couple of things. So if you have another kid yep. or if the um, buy or, another, if, buy a house or, or if the mortgage increases yeah. or not. But assuming, let's assume the mortgage only decreases by your normal principal and interest cover. You've got no more kids, none of that. Every couple of years, your super's gone up and the amount, the years that you've got between now and retirement have reduced. So just based on that, in that insurance analysis, you might need 150 grand less cover. Yep. So we should t- you, you, sh- you should bring it back 150 grand. So I'm a big believer in insurance is important until you don't need it. When you don't need it, there's no point in having it because that's when it costs you money you don't need to be paying for. Yeah. So the general rule is we look at it to summarise every year, but you mightn't change it until probably every second or even third year. Or a life event. Or something, something like big a, happens or and a, your circumstances change. Or children or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, so assuming none of that happens every couple of years um, or a big event. I've got, a, I've got another one without notice for you, Danny. We've got All a couple right. of samples to go through uh, at the end. And when I say samples, they're kind of little case studies that we think might help people understand. Um, mental illness. How, how what's your, uh, um, I know things like we've spoken about, things like you know, cancer and you, know, you have a stroke or a heart attack. Mm-hmm. That's, that's very black and white. There's not too many insurance companies going to argue with the fact that you've had a heart attack and you can't work. 
What about mental illness? Um, is that becoming something that can be claimed or is it something that, you know, if it does affect someone for a long period of time or potentially their life, can they claim income protection against mental illness or not? It's a very common question now and in conjunction with, I guess, what we call the mental health movement of the last few years where it's becoming more and more prominent, you know, the stigma against it is probably pretty much gone in the last four or five years. The public have done a really good job removing that stigma from mental health and as a result, the insurance companies have made it a bit more um, clear that they firstly are aware of mental health problems and they will cover it. So mental health and backs are the two red flags for an insurance company. So oh, really? if, if yep. you have previous illnesses, injuries in relation to those two things, it's hard to get it covered. Mainly because firstly, your back is the centre of your body, so it kind of affects everything. And the thing with mental health is, and I'm, I'm not a medical expert, but this is just what the, the BDMs and the underwriters say is, because it's intangible, you can't really measure it mm. and it can it's fluctuate. Not like a, yeah, it's not like a heart attack or a broken leg or whatever. Which yeah. also is why there's a stigma is that you're not physically ill. There isn't your bone protruding from your body, you know, the old you're soft, hardened up. It, that's gone. It's because it's intangible makes it so much more complex and a bigger beast to deal with, in my opinion anyway. Yeah. It's worse yeah. than a physical injury, I would say. Yeah. Um, as a result, the, the, the way that you know insurance companies claim on it, it does vary case by case quite a, quite a fair bit. Right. The, most, the easiest thing to do there is just to be completely honest with your advisor when you're applying for some and saying, hey, I have reached out to a, to a psych or whatnot just to work on my mental health. And by the way, absolutely not a bad thing. You, know, you go to the gym and do bicep curls to work on yourself. But people go see a psych every six months purely just to work on their mental health. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with it. So, but the thing is that's going to, that's going to show up on your mental health record. Yep. So depending on the severity. So you, you get know, a mental health plan from report. your GP and you get your, you know, because yep. that's all, a lot of that's funded these days. 100%. Too, you know, like you might get half a dozen sessions with a, with a therapist. Um, but that'll show up as far as from an insurance point of view. So yeah. they'll want more info. They'll want yeah. a report and they might say, the report literally has to detail by your psych. It just says, you know, Gavin came in for quote, quote, a checkup. Now they'll use different jargon to that, but yeah, yeah. or that will also, you know, um, it will also go as far as there was a significant event and I've I no diagnosed this person with severe depression or severe bipolar, whatever it might be. So it's different per person. They do cover it, obviously. Another pretty cool thing is um, a financial planner. They can actually organise a game plan to potentially get. Um, so if you if you were to apply for a, a full suite of insurances and they said, well, we'll give you insurance, but we're going to exclude any mental health issue because of your pre-existing illness. We can broker a game plan and say, what do you need to see from Gavin in the next two, three, four years in order for his mental health to be included? So if, you know, if okay. you're going to go... So if they say no on day one, you can always... It does it's advisor, not, you can work on it. It's not concrete, absolutely. So it's okay. Do you need to see every six months a clear bill of health from his psych saying he's all good, he just came in just to effectively... How things, as I said, like when you go to the gym, General there's health. nothing wrong with Mental you. You're just checkup. going just yeah, for yeah. a pure checkup. Yep. And even if there is something wrong with you, good on you for going to go get help. Like it's it, it doesn't you don't you don't bottle it in that in that way. You, you know, you I would argue you, the person who is going to a mental health professional does have a track record is probably in better shape than the person who isn't and isn't, hiding it. So it yeah. so that that's that's really really positive and really really encouraging for our clients in that we can say no for now but it doesn't mean no in three years' time. Yep. And then that also, funnily enough, motivates the clients to get better. What else can I do? It dangles a little bit of a carrot. So yep. the short answer is yes, they do cover it. The long answer is different per person. Yeah, sure. And it, ca it can be difficult, but it doesn't mean that it's impossible yep. either. 
Yeah, and I suppose it does come back to that idea of having that conversation and the plan, strategy plan with your advisor. So that's and just that. be honest and say, hey, yes, I have, because firstly, the insurance company is going to find out when yep. they check your record. And if I know about it early, then I can talk to the underwriter or the BDM and say, hey, this is on the record, I'm aware of it, and I can give a bit of a verbal explanation of what it is. And they take that on board and they go, okay, no worries. So it was six years ago and it was because of abuse from somebody else and now it's being fixed or on the way to being fixed. And yep. they do take that into consideration. So it is um, it is one of their red flags. So I'm, I'm, I can't sort of, you know, beat around the bush there. Yeah, sure. But it, um, but it doesn't mean that it's not coverable and not claimable either. And maybe showing your insurance company in three years' time that I've had six monthly checkups, or t- let's call them a checkup. Yep. Again, I'm not medically qualified, Danny, but a, ment- a mental health checkup every six months um, and you get a report back, uh, that's showing commitment to your mental health, you know, and uh, the, the health of your, of your mental well-being. So I think uh, an insurance company would see that as, you know, a positive thing. So great, Danny. Well, it's, um, it's really good information. I think sometimes what we need to do is sort of put it in the real world for people. And yep. I like to sort of have some examples. Um, you've got an example of um, a, a client who came in with Parkinson's disease that you wanted to talk through. Yeah, so I touched on earlier, um, a good financial planner should have your, your insurances set up so they do work in conjunction with one another. And we had a client who in the blog I referred to as Bill. Now, unfortunately, Bill's been diagnosed with, with Parkinson's, which is obviously not great. Um, however, he, he's very positive about it. Very, very, you wouldn't know. He's very, you know, he, he's taking it very, very well, which is, which is good to see. Um, under our advice, Bill's taken out trauma cover. He's taken out TPD. He's taken out life insurance. Um, and the good thing about it is his trauma and TPD insurance policies include Parkinson's as, as something that they will cover. Now, he had no family history of it, no previous illnesses, so completely and utterly covered, included as part of the policy, which is, which is good. So therefore, upon diagnosis, um, I actually met with Bill and I, I read through his, the policy that he had. I read through his PDS um, product disclosure statement for, for those playing on home. And it turned out that he was able to claim on his trauma policy. So the diagnosis for Parkinson's was only relatively recent. So he wasn't ill enough for the TPD definition to be met in that not a lot had changed. He just noted a few symptoms. Yeah, he wasn't permanently disabled just yet. Not Although yet. potentially in the future he will be. It's going to happen. Yeah. It's one of yeah. those things where it's inevitable. A yep. bit like, um, you know, murder in your own disease, Huntington's. It's going to happen. Time frame, they don't know. Yeah, which, sure. is, which is the frustrating part of it. Yep. But so you would not know if this bloke had it or not unless he told you so. But because he has had the diagnosis with trauma, all you really need is a diagnosis and the severity level needs to be told to you. So as a result, he was able to fully claim his trauma, um, or not fully, but pretty much 100% of it um, because you can get partial or full depending on the complexity of your illness. So right. well, didn't as, know that. as yeah. a result of Bill, he had you know nearly 200K paid to Bill, which for him was great because... His TPD policy in the background is quite expensive, but it's within his best interest to keep it because we know that it's going to be claimed at some point. Yep. When is the question mark? So that claim, that big amount of money has come in, um, a healthy six-figure sum that enables Bill and his family to pay for any treatment that he needs now without the worry of how they're going to afford it. Yep. So the trauma is, in this case, it's a short-term fix, but as I said, in conjunction. So the overall illness is going to get worse. At the moment, though, his trauma cover is helping now, here and now. Sure. But we do know that in the background, TPD is going to be there. So 
In the future, the TPD cover will be claimed at some point. Now, if that's partial, so he might get 20% now, 40% at another point, and the balance at another point, that will be dependent on the insurance company. And that's how they're all different. But again, we'll, to our best, the best of our ability, help him through this. Again, we're not medical professionals, so we can't argue what the GP says or whatnot. But we can, what we can do is correlate it to a PDS. That's our strength. In the, in, that's our role in the, in the, um, in the, in the transaction moving So forward. you guys, as planners, will then help in the claim process. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, we, we hold, hold hands because it's complex. Yeah, yeah. It's jargony. Um, Bill's been diagnosed with Parkinson's. You know, he doesn't probably want to do it. There's a lot going on. So we absolutely do. So through ongoing in- income protection claims, we are always in um, constant dialogue with the provider yeah, sure. of, the, of the insurance. And we'll say, um, you know, GP, uh, ex Bill went to the GP who said he still can't work for another three months. Therefore, what do you need? So a lot of the time you need pay slips if there's work cover or what does the insurance company need for their books to approve it effectively? And then that's where we come in. And then sure. we also are the intermediary to the client. And we say, hey, Bill, spoke to the bloke at Tal and this is what we need and this is what we need from you. And that way it's nice and transparent. Yep. Everyone knows everything. Everyone's on the same page. No angst, no stress, no anxiety. Well, as limited as, as you can get yeah, exactly. given the situation. So no, no financial anxiety, we'll call it. That's the point. So <laughs> um, as I said, so the TPD cover will be claimed, which is going to reduce stress even more about, you know, the financial cost of treatment. So as a result, it's going to allow Bill and his family to focus their efforts on enjoying life with each other, knowing they're financially secure. And then for us, it's another reason, you know, why we come to work in that. It's a bittersweet scenario, but we are more than happy and encouraged that we've had a positive impact on an otherwise bitter situation. Absolutely. I think you can feel like you've made a difference in someone's life. Like it's not just about the numbers on the page. It's, wow, these guys would be, uh, wouldn't be able to pay the mortgage without this. Um, or there's been, a, in this particular situation, there's been a trauma once-off lump sum payout, which has enabled them to get the treatment over the next how many of years until the Parkinson's gets to such a stage that, uh, Bill can no longer work and then the TPD kicks in. Um, and another example I have is talking about, you know, the mental health side of things Th- through COVID, you know, that, that hit a lot of people hard. So we had another client who, as a result of COVID and, and a few other, other stresses, but it all sort of snowballed. He was on a on a decent IP claim, income protection claim, mainly for a mental health breakdown and, and whatnot. And we liaised with the GP, with the provider, a couple of GPs and the provider, a psych and whatnot to make sure that, um, again, I'll use Bill, um, make sure that everything around around his his sort of, his claim was was where, where it should be. And when it, well, when he was sort of on the road to recovery and almost, almost back at work effectively, had a couple of phone calls with him, how's things? He literally said, without this, the kids would have had to leave school and we would have had to sell the house. And he goes, I can't believe that in the six and 12 months leading up to my claim, I said to you guys, we're cancelling this, it's too expensive. And yep. we obviously talked him out of it. Yeah, I can't believe what my life would have been like if I had have allowed myself to cancel. Because he could have done it. He could have called them up himself and said, getting rid of it, I'm the life insured. Don't talk to my financial planners anymore. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And he literally, so that, that, that sort of, um, again, poor situation. But to know that we've, we have had a bit of a hand to play in his kids remaining educated the mortgage and the house not being sold, not being repaid because they could pay for it. And you can imagine in a mental health situation, um, all those financial stresses just make the whole thing worse. And in any 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 um, health situation, you know, if you've had a heart attack and you're recovering, the last thing you want to be stressed about is how much money's in the bank and whether someone's going to pay your mortgage or not. So um, it is one of those things that 
on claim day, it's nice to know you've got a planner and an advisor in the background that can sort of uh, assist you through that claim process. So Exactly. And then on the back of those two analogies and examples about insurance, that's when a client, you know, they engage us and we, we put, a, put a series of insurance covers and premiums in front of them. That's why I say about the point of insurance, can you afford not to have it? Mm. So there's two examples there that life would have been a lot, lot different if they didn't have it. The premiums were a pimple on a pumpkin relative to the benefit of claiming when the time came. So, Absolutely. Um, and the most recent one with Bill and his, his Parkinson's was what sort of prompted me to, to write the blog because it was a real life event where it was a pretty significant one for me. So, um, yeah, it's just it's it's one of those topics where again I don't I don't love it I don't love talking about it but it's an it's a sheer necessity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like um, yeah, as, as and we always make that analogy about you wouldn't drive your car down the street uninsured, you wouldn't sleep in your house uninsured. So why wouldn't you insure you know things like a trauma event in your life or your income, which is again likely your biggest asset is your ability to earn income. So um, some really good uh, information in that, Danny. And as I said to uh, at the start of the podcast to the listeners that uh, the article is called Insurance, Can You Afford Not to Have It? It's on the news page of mulcahy.com.au. Um, but really good information there, Danny. Yeah, so th- thanks for your help today. No worries, Gav. Anytime. Um, and as we always sort of – we relate most of what we're talking at, Mul- at Mulcahy and Co back to our 12-point – uh, 12 Steps to Success, we call it, the FS360 wheel. Um, so probably today's insurance uh, conversation does really fall into a few different categories, but we've got sort of investment plan, superannuation plan, uh, retirement plan, even asset protection plan. Debt plan. Debt plan, yeah. So there's quite a few in there that... Goals, estate, I'd say at least seven or eight out of the yep. 12. Yep. Goals and objectives, yeah, of course. So um, it sort of does uh, fit in quite nicely with a lot of things. But as you said, Danny, it's really your foundations to a good financial future. So something uh, all of our listeners should have a good think about. Um, And if any of the listeners are interested in talking to one of the advisors, we've got advisors in all of our offices. So um, at the moment we're talking sort of um, Ballarat, Mildura, Geelong and Sunshine Coast. So, um, And Danny, you make your time between Ballarat and Geelong still. Um, So, yeah, if you want to talk to Danny Archer at all about any of this sort of stuff, he's your man. So thanks for coming in, Danny. No worries, Gav. Happy to do it. Appreciate your time and see the listeners on the next episode. You've been listening to the FS360 podcast brought to you by Mulcahy Co. Financial Security 360 is at the centre of what we do at Mulcahy Co. If you'd like to speak to one of our professionals about a range of individual and business needs, give us a call.